The following is audio from The Refuge Church. Every sermon is an invitation to understand, obey, and enjoy God. More information about The Refuge Church is available at therefugechurch.us. Refuge Church, it is good to be with you, good to see you. Uh, it still feels very new to be here. Uh, I I realize this season I haven't been the best in communicating to the church um, about like where we're going to be and what we're doing all the time, and um, and I apologize for that. We are just to clarify: we are here at 10 a.m. from this Sunday forward, and uh, just one service, first come, first serve, right now. Um, if it gets a little hectic, we'll try to figure out uh, how, to, how to do more. But there's seats. We have room for, for it to be first come, first serve right now. And um, and want to remind you just at the outset, you know, you, you come because this is your family. These are people you want to go through life with. And and it, it does take everyone in the family. I'm going to say this over and over again just because um, we've got the, the Schaefer duo here just holding down the audio and the visual and, uh, and I would love to see a lot of people, like, um, just to clarify what that commitment looks like, uh, it, it's like I got here at nine, helped set up, and then I, I, you know, I'll probably leave here. It's 9.30 right now, I'll probably be out of here at 10.45. Um, so it's not a huge thing, but it's a way that you really can make sure this happens, this can keep, keep happening. I don't, you know, I grew up doing house church, and so if it's like, no audio, no visual, I can roll with that. And the reality is we might do that at some point in a lower capacity if we just don't have people because I don't want people to burn out. Um, if it's just me screaming at you without a mic, maybe, that, maybe that's the way the Holy Spirit wants to work. I, I don't know. Um, but to make this happen, I would love to just see all hands on deck. Um, if you feel like I'm a parent scolding you right now, maybe that's just your conscience. So, um, <laughs> uh, no, I love you guys so much, but I do, I do want to make sure that many hands make light work. So I uh, want to say that now and not save it for the announcements. It's, uh, it's just part of being a family. Um, I think um, as a pastor, one of the, the things I can do uh, along with teaching the word is help you have the right expectations for your walk with Jesus and, and what it looks like to be a part of the family of God. And, uh, and there are a lot of expectations um, attached to what it means to be a part of the family of God, right? Big services, loud bands, lots of lights, all these things that, are, that's not it, Right? Um, that's not what it means to be a part of the family of God. That can be an expression of it. Um, but when we come, it can be so simple. It can be a song we've sung a hundred times that we're like, man, how great thou art. Right? We, just, we can sing it with all our hearts, all minds, because that's the word of God, right? This thing hasn't changed for a long time. And yet we can open it up, we can flip it open, and all of a sudden the Spirit's showing us ourselves in a whole new way. And that's what this can be like. It does, we don't need a lot of stuff for us to be the church. Right? What we need is truth and Spirit. That's it. And some people to share that with. It can be really simple, right? And so if our expectations start going, well, 
I just wish Daniel came out to some, you know, fog machine, right? Like, I, I don't, <laughs> it, may, it might be cool, right? But, but it can be really simple because what we're looking for, all we're looking for is to come to know God better, right? That's it. That, that is it. And some good coffee. Um, that was a joke, but I, <laughs> I don't mind the good coffee. So, man, uh, so good to be with you. Let's keep doing this. Please chip in. We are uh, uh, heading into a new sermon series called Talking to God, A History of Prayer. I was just going to call it A History of Prayer, but many people hate history. So um, to spice it up, uh, I made a cool graphic, and then we, we made the sermon title Talking to God. This is cool, isn't it? Yeah, it's okay. It's you know, we, yeah, we, can, we can affirm that. We can clap for that. <laughs> yeah. I, sorry, that was kind of a pat on the back. So, um, talking to God. I'm excited to, to dive into this because this is the way the world works. This is the way God made for history to be shaped in collaboration with the people of God. When the disciples watched Jesus, the perfect man, live They had this question for him, Lord, teach us to pray. This request from Jesus' disciples not only expressed their personal desire, but it offers their impression of Jesus' life. Jesus' life was a praying life. Man, what was Jesus' life was a praying life. We see any spare time, if there is such a thing in Jesus' life as spare time, he got away to pray. Intimacy and understanding between Jesus and the Father is available to every single one of us. Every person who desires to know God can know God with this simple request. Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. So, um, there might not be anything so helpful as to do a sermon series on prayer, but there might not be a sermon series so intimidating to us since we've all tried to pray and probably found it very frustrating. If we read the scripture starting at the very beginning, it should not be a surprise that communication is at the heart of human existence. In the beginning, God And the way John articulates this so well, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Communication is at the heart of our existence. It's as if our very existence, the material world itself, is the grammar of God. That's what we're we're meant to understand as. These things, the wood that we knock on and shape into ships, this is the grammar of God. God spoke, and it was, let there be light, and there was light. The word represents not just ultimate knowledge, but personal knowledge, person itself, that presents itself in a way that intends to be understood and known, that is God. He speaks, he communicates, he wants to be known, understood, and be in communication with us. And yet, With word, communication, language, articulation, being at the center of what it means to be human, words are hard. This is something that uh, my friend Malia reminds me of all the time. Words are hard. 
(laughs) And it's true. We find words so, so difficult, especially in relationships, but not typically early on in relationships. Sure, when you first see a person that you, you know, want to talk to, you feel tongue-tied probably. But then if a relationship, we're talking about a romantic relationship, progresses, you often find words that you never knew you had. I have it on good authority that Pat Steele, to woo Erica, spent hours on long-distance phone calls with her. This is Pat Steele we're talking about, okay? A man of few words. He lived in Portland. She lived up here in Kitsap County. And he wanted to get to know her. So what did he do? Got on the phone and he learned how to talk. And that's many of our stories, right? Hannah and I, I mean, we were kind of in the era of texting. So we texted and then we we got to talk. And then we, right, all of a sudden you have this like, new language that you're learning and you're sharing and it's so full of of joy. What first comes is this emotional overflow of the heart, often that culminates in these three words, I love you, right? This excitement, this sharing, oftentimes then becomes seemingly impossible. Um, to share personally about my relationship with Hannah. I remember, you know, if you know about my relationship with Hannah, we broke up several times before we got married, and it's going great now. But the dating period, the dating period was really hard for us, right? Uh, Getting married was so wonderful, and it has been so great. But there was this time in it where she moved, we moved from this, like, talking a lot to me pulling back. And, uh, and it was these things that came so easy, all of a sudden became so hard. And a lot of people experienced that. We, we went through a lot of cycles of relationship before we got married, and that just made marriage blissful. Um, but a lot of people <laughs> go through that after they get married, which has been, you know, you, you like, oh, man, we're so pumped, we're so excited, you go into it, and then all of a sudden you find yourself, some, somebody's pulling away, you're shutting down, you don't know how to say I love you, and then you have that talk where, where one person says, hey, I just wish you would affirm me more. I just wish you would say those things that you used to say so easily, but now it just comes out so hard. We're getting to some deep stuff right now. <laughs> I just wish it was easy, you know, like, can you say, it? but then, you know it's hard when the person says, I just wish you said I love you more. And then you're like, like now? Like, you, know I mean? you know, and then you're like, you asked me, so it just doesn't feel authentic. It's got to be on my time. You know, and they're like, when's your time? Right? We're like wrestling through this. Why are words, uh, they are become so hard. And, and that's kind of what it looks like when you're reading the Bible. God walks in the cool of the day with Adam and then there's this utter aloneness, this cosmic silence, this absence. I wish you would just come and spend time with me. I wish you would just say these. I wish I could hear you. I wish we could just be together like we once were. That is what prayer is. Prayer is learning to have that conversation with God again. Uh, If it doesn't feel natural, this might seem like a very crude example, um, (laughs) but I'm going to use it because it's going to be very vivid. I think oftentimes we expect something if it is right, if it's our design, 
if it's what we should do, it should come naturally, right? Now, I've known a lot of people with colostomy bags, okay? I know we went there. I can't go back now, okay? Once somebody has a colostomy bag, they literally have to know how to, you know, again, right? The most natural thing in the world has to be relearned. But that's what it's like with, are you guys with me? Did I just lose you when I said colostomy bag? Okay. So, <laughs> something so natural, right? And then we go to prayer, and oftentimes we're like, it just doesn't feel natural. It should come natural. I guess it's not, is God even there? You have to learn it all over again. This thing that is the air we breathe. It's the way we think. It's the way we, our soul comes alive. It has to be learned. It has to be learned. So what is prayer? What is the essence of prayer? We'll, we'll kind of go through that and we'll dive into the scripture and just see when people started praying. Prayer, I think there's so many uh, definitions of prayer out there and, and, and many of them just kind of are self-referential. But I think if I were to define it, I would simply say prayer is access to God for those who need him. Prayer is access to God for those who need him. Or it's communication with God for, for those who need him. Um, it's access to God because God has made himself available, but he really isn't available for those that don't need God. If you don't need him, you won't pray. It's oftentimes in that moment, in that moment, we'll talk about that moment more, but in that moment where we realize that we need something and we might not even know how to articulate who we need it's just a heart cry, and we find ourselves praying. Thomas Merton says, prayer is an expression of who we are. We are, are a living incompleteness. We are a gap, an emptiness that calls for fulfillment. I love that. We are an emptiness that calls for fulfillment, and that often is the way we learn to pray. Another person says, helplessness is how the Christian life works. And I think this is so well tied in with prayer, because prayer can be done by a child. And if you read the life of Jesus, you, you kind of are led to assume it can kind of only happen for the child or those that remember that childlike sort of trust. A longer explanation by Martin Lloyd-Jones uh, in his great commentary, Sermon on the Mount, he says this, prayer is beyond any question the highest activity of the human soul. People are at their greatest and highest when upon their knees they come face to face with God. A person is authentically speaking to God. Uh, when, when a person is authentically speaking to God, they are at their very best. <laughs> I love that. It is the highest activity of the human soul, and therefore it is at the same time the ultimate test of the person's true spiritual condition. There's nothing that tells the truth about us as Christian people so much as our prayer life. Everything we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. Everything we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. Even our concern for the salvation of souls, even our concern for God's blessing upon the preaching of the word, even our concern for those who are near and dear to us may become truly Christian. Even these things must never be given the first place. The first place, the first position in our, is in our praying. Still, less must be... Still, less must we ever start with our own circumstances and conditions before we begin to think of ourselves and our needs. 
even before our concern for others, we must start with this great concern about God and his honor and his glory. There is no principle in connection with the Christian life that exceeds this in importance. This is of primary importance. This shows you who you are. Do you pray? And I say that knowing even in my own life, there are times I sit to pray and I feel like fleeing. And I think we will get to know that a lot, even in the lives of saints, as we go through stories in the scripture. But if we look at how prayer starts, um, and if you caught this in songs, prayer doesn't start with Adam and Eve in the garden. Um, this, this was, um, I think Bob was sharing this, it's shared in the songs. They didn't need to pray in the garden. They were with God in the garden. They talked to God in the garden. Uh, there were actually no needs in the garden, right? We didn't have to access God. Uh, there was, there was this, uh, this need for communion, but it was fully met. It was completely met in the presence of God. There was no prayer in the garden. There was constancy of relationship with God there. The next time we see someone talking with God is in the relationship of Cain and God, but that also is not prayer because Cain doesn't need God. He doesn't think he needs God. I can read the story, but really what it comes down to is um, Cain, if you read it, is fairly disrespectful. In some ways, he just demands something of God. Well, you're not going to do this to me. Do this to me, right? And it's sort of this bartering relationship Cain has with God. God comes down. Where's your brother? Well, am I my brother's keeper? Right? It's this, this offhanded. And this, this happens, right? People open the Bible. People talk about God. They antagonize God. They disrespect God. Just because they're talking about God does not make it prayer. I find it interesting, even during our prayer time this morning, we invite God to places. And in one way, that seems strange because God is omnipresent. God's everywhere. But in another way, it makes complete sense because we're, we're asking, God, may I be aware of your presence, right? <laughs> God, it's not that you're not all places, but I'm not all places. Sometimes I'm not even here. So God, may you be present and may I be present. May we be present together here. So Cain is not prayer. Well, the first time we see prayer is in Genesis 4, verse 26. At the very end, it simply says this. At that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. It's a very, very simple. It starts with, right, Seth was the son born and he called his name Enosh. And at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. What does this mean? There's very, very little that we know about this. Very little other than this. And, and the short story we have before this in Genesis uh, 1 through 4, and this is basically all we knew. They cried out a name. They cried out the name Lord. Lord. And I think in that, what they were crying, they were crying the name of the one who created everything. And sometimes in our prayers, our knowledge is very simple. I don't know if you've ever come to a moment of complete, like almost utter doubt, and you feel like you're holding on to your faith by your fingernails. And you, your prayer is very basic. It's very elementary. God, if you're there. God, I, there's, there's a lot that seems to dis disprove you, but I just, there's these things I can't make sense of. It seems like, 
just this world, this cosmos is too grand, right? It's like there's feelings in my heart. But what, um, was it Kant who talked about the infinity beyond and the infinity within, right? I, I, I'm so caught within these things in God if you're there, right? And they, they cried out the name of the Lord, the name of the one who created everything, the one who was and is and is to come. They probably didn't give it that language, but all of a sudden they were aware that this couldn't be all that there was, this bloodthirsty humanity that they were surrounded by in the descendants of Cain that we just read through in chapter 4. They cried out the name of the Lord. The name of the one who created all things but did not bully or coerce them but waited for their cry. This is amazing. The one who created all things in love. <laughs> That's what we get through all the scripture. God in his, the fullness of his love, his creative heart, his genius, creates the world and everything in it. And then he doesn't go, and I'm going to make you do this. But there's tremendous will that he gives to humanity as you see in the garden them just walking along having stupid conversations with animals falling hurting each other and God at no points goes hey I'm going to force you to do this so what happens they in the path they have chosen stop and they cry out to God The second thing is I think they cry a memory. I think there is this memory, this history, these stories they've told. They've told stories of Adam and Eve and the way they've started. They've told stories of Cain and Abel and how murder, vengeance, animosity, disruption of family. They've told these stories, these very basic stories. And they cry from this memory of what was and then what happened. They cry for something that's been lost. And they cry out to God. Now, what we find in Genesis 4.26 helps us a lot in terms of how we respond to people that antagonize you or others who pray because you're praying from need. In Genesis 4.26, we see them crying because they are desperate. And you get this kind of weird prayer among Christians that are like, Lord, humble that person. And you're like, oh, they got it coming, right? Like you're praying that God would bring that person to the point where they would cry out, right? And so, and so on the other side, you have people who are going, Christianity then is nothing. Faith in God is nothing but a crutch. Have you heard that? It's just a crutch. It's when you get to this point where nothing's going your way and you're just going to go like, hey, God, can you help me? Now, It's funny that that's an insult because if you ever needed a crutch, it's crucial. Um, I I broke my leg once doing something so stupid. You can ask me the story sometime. It was all my fault. And uh, it was in college. And I had never broken a bone. And I'd done so many stupid things before I got to college that I thought, I don't break bones. And so I did this thing. It was really stupid. My ankle was so big that I could not put a shoe on. And, and yet I walked for four days. I lived literally a mile and a half from campus and I walked back and forth every day and it took me over an hour and a half just to get to school. Like this. I just look pathetic, right? I needed a crutch, okay? Um, and then I went and I found out that my leg was broken. Um, and a crutch, what that does is it helps us 
heal. And so when someone says, your God's a crutch, you're like, oh, partially, yeah. I need him. <laughs> I realize that I absolutely, absolutely need help, and it is a foolish thing not to use a crutch when you are broken, right? It is a foolish thing not to use a crutch when you're broken. Crutches are meant for healing, and so a prayer is a crutch. <laughs> it is actually going, I am broken, help me. Lord, teach us to pray. That is the beginning of prayer. I need someone to prop up my brokenness. And I'm going to cry out. I don't even know a name yet, maybe. I'm just going to cry out because I see nothing here. I see nothing that can touch my soul. I think maybe even better than, than a crutch, though, is the, the example of dehydration. So dehydration happens, right? Because you don't have enough water. And imagine someone being dehydrated and the person going like, I've seen one, and they're like, that's a crutch. <laughs> that's stupid. You're like, no, I actually need that. And what I need is more of that. And I need that constantly in me. I need that to not go in. And so if I don't have water, the only solution is what? Water. And that's what happens to our soul. We need the one who satiates, satisfies fills our soul. And that's what we read in the psalm. Psalm 42, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And I love this because it goes on. And listen to this. This is a person who's found a crutch, found their water in God. Tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember and pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan, from the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. And think about this place. What example have we been given so far? We've been given the example of a deer who's thirsty. And now listen to this next example we're given. I've actually never seen, I don't know why, but I've never seen the context of this. I've heard so many times verse 7, which says this, Deep calls out to deep and the roars of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. Now imagine this. We are thirsty we are in the desert. We haven't seen water in days. And all of a sudden, deep calls out to deep. And the breaking of the waterfalls is crushing around us. That sounds good. Right? Imagine that. You're like, I haven't seen water forever. And all of a sudden, you're just like, right? Have you ever, have you ever jumped in where the waterfall hits the, the, the lake or pond or whatever it is? You dumb, and you're just the tumult, Right? This is what it's saying. Oh, I thirst for you, God. And all of a sudden, and, and the waves and breakers, the spirit is filling up the one who has sought him. By day, this is verse eight. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to God of my life. This is the waterfall of God. The Lord directs his love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to God my life. This is the waterfall of the Spirit coming around the love of God that is surrounding that person who once was just thirsty and panting, whose soul was just, where is God? 
I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go mourning, oppressed by my enemies? My bones suffer as the foe taunts me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, oh my soul, are you downcast? Why are you so disturbed with me? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Where is your hope? And are you learning to pray that hope? Prayer only happens when we depend on God. It comes from a desperate dependence on God. Very simply put, if we do not depend on God, we do not pray. And so the question is, do you pray? Because if you do not pray, no matter what you say, you do not depend on God. I'm really challenged by this because we are a people of words. I love reading the news. Hannah will tell you every morning I wake up and I go out and I get the news and I brew my coffee and I sit there with the newspaper. I love words. I read way too much. I love writing. But prayer is really scary. (laughs) Prayer is really hard. Why? Because it is another level of dependence. I can appear so smart. I can appear so holy and so knowledgeable. But if I don't pray, I'm a resounding, resounding gong and a clanging cymbal, right? If I don't love. <laughs> the way we love God, the way we interact with him is this way. So very simply, how do we pray? How do we depend on God? And, and it starts with this. And this is what we get, I think, at the essence of Genesis 4.26. Know that you need God. Know that you need God. And here are some very simple hints for that as we move into this part about what do we do. Focus on God, not your praying. Now, focus on God, not your praying, means you might leave this time going, gosh, I need to pray. I need to pray. I want to be good at it. I want to be the best prayer. I want to come back next week and people are like, what are you doing? You're like, I prayed all week, right? Don't focus on praying, focus on God. Let let your heart, your mind, your soul, everything be directed to God. The second is focus on God, not your feeling. Don't constantly consult, what am I feeling? Do I feel like praying? Is this prayer giving me a good feeling? (laughs) Your feelings can be really screwed up. Pray, focus on God, not your feelings. And this might seem like a tongue twister, but want God, don't want God to want your wants. Okay, you get that? Want God, don't want God to want your wants. Meaning, we oftentimes get to prayer and we're just kind of like, like, God, you're holy, Set that one aside. God, we praise you. Set that one aside. But all along, you're just you're like dragging behind you this like list of like <laughs> requests, you know. And you're like, okay, after I get through all these things, like my my like bowing as I get to him, and then I'm gonna like bring all these things that really I'm just like wanting to get off my chest, right? That doesn't. The first thing, right? Focus on God, not praying. Focus on God, not feeling. Focus on God, not your wants. Because the beauty of prayer, the beauty of finding God to be enough, the beauty of finding God for who he is and then letting him show you your life will oftentimes very much rearrange 
what's in our heart and rearrange what's in our minds. Uh, There's a beautiful quote by David Brainerd. He says this, oh, one hour with God infinitely exceeds all the pleasures and delights of this lower world. Oh, one hour with God. Uh, what would it look like for us to be people that just desire God? Right? I, I look forward to time with you guys. I look forward to our time here together. How do we look forward to that time with God? Focusing on God, not just on praying. On God, not just our, on our feelings. On God, not just what we want from him. And discovering there, in that quiet place, in that secret place, discovering not just who God is, but discovering who we are. Um, I often say this, uh, I know I've used this as an example um, so many times, but uh, you know, I, I've wrestled my whole life with, I had, I had very affirming parents, but even with very affirming parents, you know, you, you just always want to hear the words, I love you, right? And, uh, and then you grow up and you have relationships of your own and, uh, and you find it very hard sometimes to say that, right? Just to say, I love you to say the things. And, and now I have a baby, right? And, uh, and I want, like, I just want to, you know, chap his cheeks with my kisses. And you're like, this is, you know, but I just don't want that to go away. Because I know how much I need to hear the words I love you. I know how often in our lives we don't say those because we're longing to hear that ourselves. So I think many of us go around wanting to be a good Christian, without realizing like the only way we do that is if we really spend time with God letting him pour his love on us letting him affirm his love for us that was on the cross in the person of Jesus that death could not hold and his resurrection is forever proclaiming his love for us only if you get time in prayer hearing God say to you I love you you're my child I'm so proud of you. Will you ever want to share that faith with anybody else? <laughs> Sharing your faith shouldn't be this like, okay, one person this week, right? It should be this thing like, man, you're hearing from him and you're sharing that. So my encouragement to you this week is that, to spend time with God this week, to listen to him, um, and to share that with others in some way. If you're married, you can share it with your spouse. If you have friends and you want to get a meal together, we're actually not going to take communion this week together. And the reason for that is this. Right? As I set expectations for the church, it's one of my roles as pastor, um, I think we sometimes see everything we need happening here on Sundays. Then we go and then we go through our weeks and then we come back on another Sunday, right? Um, <clears throat> what we're invited to do in communion really can happen around the dinner table. It really can. Uh, And so what I want to encourage you guys to do instead of communion this week is I want you to commune with other people. Share a meal with them. And and literally, all you need to do is when you're praying, instead of, you know, oftentimes our prayers can be pretty like, like, thanks for the food, thanks for, you know. Um, When you're with people, just go, hey, let's just take some time before our meal to remember Jesus. No prayers needed. <laughs> just, let's just take time to remember Jesus. 
That's what communion is. That literally is what communion. It does not these not these holy words. Thus say it's over it. Let's remember Jesus. Let's just take some time to remember who he is. And in that way, it's also praying. Just thinking of him. So I, I encourage you, I just really want you guys to do that this week. And, and it could just be with people already in your home. I could be having people over and just, does that have to be weird? <laughs> just, just go, hey, we're going to do something new. We're just going to remember Jesus for a couple, you know. I wouldn't say a couple minutes. They'll get freaked out. They're like, are we going to ever eat? Um, I would just say, let's, let's just remember Jesus before we eat and, uh, and take time to do that. So let me pray for us and, uh, and we'll keep singing. God, teach us to pray. God, teach us to use you as a crutch for our broken souls or our hearts when they feel unmended. God, when we feel beat up from walking in this world that can be so challenging and difficult, Teach us to pray, teach us your way, teach us to love you, to enjoy you. God, teach us to enjoy you in such a way that like, like in this weary, dry land, we just feel the waterfall of your presence and love wash over us. We want that more than anything because we want to be that to the world. We want to be water carriers to the world of <laughs> the good news. We can only do that if we are satiated ourselves in your presence. We long for that and we pray for that. In Jesus' name, amen.